to School of Movies. <clears throat> Mortal Kombat! In each of us, there burns the fury of a warrior. In every generation, a few are chosen to prove it. One of you three will decide the outcome of the tournament. Three strangers <laughs> will travel to the mystical realm of Outworld to defend our people against Shang Tsung. You will die. And his forces of darkness in an ancient tournament. One more victory. Your soul is mine. And our world no! is theirs. It has begun. With us tonight are our most ferocious fight fighters. Hollywood actress Maya Santandre, who does all her own stunts. Get over here! Mike Hearn, the deadliest man in the world with a paintbrush. My wife thinks I'm a babality. Giant hulking toothy monster kaiju expert Dan Hepner. Welcome! And the magic obsessed sorcerer Jason Chewy Slate. Your soul is mine! <laughs> After years of promising to do this one, we decided to give you a treat. Mortal Kombat is the 1995 cinematic adaptation of the 1992 and 1993 video games Mortal Kombat and Mortal Kombat 2. It was directed by Paul W.S. Anderson, then at the time simply Paul Anderson, because Paul Thomas Anderson wasn't known enough to really be differentiated from. Um, whom we've done shows about the work of before with his grab bag of other directors' horror movie bits rendered meaningless by dint of their random inclusion, Event Horizon, and Alien vs. Predator, a movie only we seem to like that's basically a low-rent Jurassic Park with xenomorphs. Anderson is not an amazing director, and he shies away from his movies meaning anything at all, but occasionally he can muster something engaging and entertaining. Not with Resident Evil, but with this. The kind of puffy, hollow, sweet popcorn that most people assume of the kind of movies that we love to find the depths in. So, let's not charge ourselves with finding subtext or even detail, and instead celebrate what dubious strengths this film does have. It's also worth noting that we are welcoming back producer Lawrence Kasanoff, a man who worked repeatedly with James Cameron and went on to deliver to the world Food Fight, arguably one of the worst animated movies of all time. And if you've seen any of the animated spin-off, which sprang from this Mortal Kombat The Journey Begins, you'll recognise the horrendous motion capture and texture-free polygonal nightmare characters with their fixed expressions and flailing disjointed limbs during the CG sections, which run intermittently between industry-low 1990s American 2D cell animation. Yeah, that's Kazanoff, all right. The fact that this live-action Mortal Kombat movie also features some of the very worst early CG of theatrically released 90s movies is probably not coincidental, considering Larry's standards. Kazanoff also produced the 1997 sequel to this film, Mortal Kombat Annihilation, 
which at the time of editing we have done a recording on as well and should be released next week. So we will keep all talk of that one confined to its own show. But let's start at moment one, second number one of the 1995 film, wherein, as We Hate Movies stated, Mortal Kombat makes the rare opening gambit of screaming its title at you. The filmmakers made the shrewd decision to uh, take the only thing this game was famous for, really, the ridiculous over-the-top blood and death moves, and kind of keep their film free of blood almost entirely... And very light on death. Monsters and ninjas die in spectacular ways, but humans just tend to sort of... Well, there's there's one or two, and, and they tend to just sort of get their souls sucked out. The, the movie makes no bones about the fact that Sonya, being a woman, definitely can't win this one on her own. Mm. Uh, yes. That and bugged you, didn't it? Shang Tsung is constantly trying to... Um, abduct her for nefarious purposes that remain unspoken. Yeah, and Kano's really fucking sleazy as well. And uh, again, they keep it just on the shade of uh, PG-13, but uh, to, to its credit, at least, Sonia isn't really objectified until the end when her dress, her little leather handkerchief thing is so preposterous, it's not really trying to make her look sexy. No. She's just sort of standing like she's strung up in this kind of like, hmm, this is she what they put like me she's in. she's escaped from the planet of the apes. And they must up my the hair. as well, the whole, I will get onto the themes at some stage, I'm sure. They there are, are there. themes? There are themes. Um, but the, the thing that Sonia is supposed to overcome in the course of her character arc is her resistance to letting anyone help her. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, you've got to learn to trust and accept help. And I'm sat there thinking, from who? Look who she's surrounded by. <laughs> Everyone's trying to either molest or insult her. <laughs> or pick her up. At best. At yeah. best, pick her up. Indeed. Yeah, it's a real, it's a real 95 message, all right. Ugh. It is. And Shang Tsung seems to be, like, specifically trying to single her out because he, like, it's it's implied basically that she just can't, she's never going to stand up to him. Mm. Like, there's no way she's ever going to win against his best fighters, so he's got to single her out away from the other she's almost a ringer for Shang Tsung like he's worked Mm -hmm. out that she's tough enough to get through the fight but she's not tough enough to beat him so if he puts the right uh, bracketed opponents up against her then he'll end up being able to swing this one Mm. Yeah, then she's an automatic loss if they'd they'd made more of that though if it had been like Kano remembers her from the time he assassinated Jack. I remember the before times when I was doing all my crime exactly it'd be like he brought her under Shang Tsung's nose and said if you you know go up against her you'll win easily and then this whole thing is all over there are various times when with the retrospect of 25 years of filmmaking we can go this could have been a little bit better <laughs> about this film <laughs> so it begins oh, with uh, as we hate movies said a child fighting Shang Tsung so it's like this little boy is fighting the demon sorcerer in this badass leather coat like the the the, the wardrobe on this thing he's got like these massive collar thing and um he, he beats effectively beats him to death and goes your soul is mine and then turns into a screensaver it's it's like he didn't actually have to do that but they're just illustrating that he's a, a, a scary cgi corpse thing and it's like 
the earliest possible rendering of Arnold Vosloo's The Mummy, you know? I do quite like how they kind of go into the visual storytelling with both feet here, though, because it's like, we are not we don't need to tell you anything about this guy, Shang Tsung, and you'll know he's called Shang Tsung because people will soon start saying his name repeatedly. But we don't need to tell you anything about him. The fact that he shows contempt for his opponent, the mm-hmm. fact that he shows a complete lack of mercy... It tells you everything you need to know about him at this stage. Yes, he's the big boss. Yes, indeed. To uh, over-exemplify that he's a bad guy as if beating up a child to death isn't enough. Absolutely. <laughs> and then it turns out to be a dream that was also a premonition from Liu Kang, who appears to be living unemployed in Greenland. It's the greenest room I've ever seen. Mm. He's living under an aquarium. Mm. It's how a lot of movies, especially back then, will portray big cities like New York or L.A., where it's just there's neon signs everywhere. So these kind of small apartments just have this, like, overflowing neon lights at all hours of the day nonsense. He clearly lives opposite a pharmacy. <laughs> so um, we then cut to Sonia hunting Kano in a very rough concert. And I think there was a, a proclivity for filming in in concerts in the 90s, you remember Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, for no reason at all, cuts to a Cannibal Corpse concert. Going, that, that's yep. that's a good way to get the oh, kids' yeah. attention. Blade, the very start, is at like a blood rave. So mm. it was a 90s thing. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. so much 90s here. It's like the most wannabe, like suave 90s before the Matrix happens. But the fact that it's an entire SWAT team that just rolls up into this club guns blazing just shotguns <laughs> out and in plain view it's absolutely insane and what trips and me out cares. is that sonya didn't shoot that guy until he fired off a few rounds oh, in yeah, the direction exactly. of a room full of dancing people and somehow hit nothing these guys are worse than stormtroopers mm. now just right <laughs> off camera there's three people that are dead now but it's pg so they can't show that Oh, we can't show it. Yeah, everything happens off screen. <laughs> That's where Shang Tsung went when he didn't uh, fatality the other guy. He went to collect their souls first. Oh, there ah, we go. that explains it, yes. <laughs> and Kano's out back with Shang Tsung being charming, and they're talking about uh, Sonya, and he's like, oh, uh, yeah, you got your Sonya with that. And when Shang Tsung says, like, leave, like, I think he says, like, oh, we could have our own private cabin, as in, like, I will basically just be raping her all the way to this island. Is that fine? And Shang Tsung's like, no, that's not fine. And, <laughs> and says, <laughs> and he, he basically says, if you touch her, you're going to need a seeing eye dog. And he, like, flicks a flick knife. And he's basically saying, I will gouge out your fucking eye, motherfucker. Like, like he'd even have to. But that suggests that that's not a cyborg Terminator eye at all. It's just a fancy eye patch. Because, like, as in, I'll take out your other eye as well. And, like, obviously, when, if you, when you first played the game, you're like, well, that's clearly a Terminator eye because every single 1990s comic. But it appears in this movie just to be, like, a, a, a prop he wears. Mm. Yeah, they were clearly leaning heavily on an expectation of Mortal Kombat fans coming to see this and being their main demographic. Because I know what you they don't explain shit exactly. No, no, I know what you were saying earlier about that they're wanting to expand it to the into the cinema audience. But your introduction to all of the characters is minimal, but they say their names a whole lot. Scorpion and Sub Zero. We know! Just to make sure everybody knows who they are. Hmm. So I like the way that Shang Tsung is like, no, 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 no. I am... And you get the impression that he's oddly progressive for a bad guy. He's like, no, 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 you won't touch 
Sonya Blade. And then later, he's like, kidnap, tease her hair, put her in a skimpy dress. Okay, maybe progressive's not the right word. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty much like he doesn't want his prize to be spoiled by this freaking guy. Yeah, exactly. Disgusting pig. Like, don't touch my prize. I want her unsullied by you, specifically. It's a real, like, gross want to be an alpha male of like calling dibs in the worst possible way because oh, he, yeah. <laughs> he immediately follows by saying like i have plans for my beautiful sonia you're like oh. see i i took it as a, a lord farquad kind of a thing um the way that the story seems to play out is is shang Tsung is supposed to recruit these people he's supposed to bring johnny cage and he's supposed to bring sonya blade in and i think he was sitting in bed like farquad watching sonya pop up on the list and he's like oh yeah that, that'll do <laughs> and then he noticed he had a boner <laughs> just like in that kid's film okay so cut immediately if we might uh, to uh actually quite a good shot in the movie where the the, the big doors open and johnny cage is stood there and it's it's like the uh f- the front cover or the poster of the crow where you got this big column of sort of light and and then johnny cage comes into uh, what appears to be a completely empty warehouse with only a limousine in it and four hoods holding exotic weapons who will just go ha and then he f- fights these guys, but they're not a very good fight team, and they fall down. Or don't fall down on cue. Then he starts shouting at a Steven Spielberg impersonator, because every time in the 90s that anyone was directing a movie, it always had to be, like, the baseball cap and the beard. But, yep. like, he, if you listen to how he talks, he doesn't talk at all like Steven Spielberg. Like, we're doing a Steven Spielberg season this year. Uh, Spielberg has a kind of an animated feel to him all the time, but he doesn't shout like this guy. No, he doesn't. This is where you fall down. Where do you get these guys? And the press says, I don't know how to do this stuff. Hot. All right, people, reset. We're back in 15 no, minutes. I'm not doing it again. No, what do you mean you're not doing it I mean, again? I'm not doing Johnny's it again. Johnny's the last shot of the picture. Where are you going? I'm going to my trailer. No, you can't leave I'm going to get a gun. Then I'm going to shoot no, 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 myself for being in your movie. Me. You'll kill me. I'll be back directing traffic. Johnny, don't leave me hanging up here. You're killing me, Johnny. I love you. I need you. Those are those uh, Johnny. But Johnny's beef is everyone thinks I'm a fake and a phony. And it's like, how am I going to prove it to them? I know. I'll be in a fighting contest Go on Oprah and do some fight moves. And just go, look, this is really me. I can really kick. Like, t- or couldn't he just explain that he's had all of this previous training? Like, it's not that hard. Like, Arnold Schwarzenegger could explain to people that he was a bodybuilder before he got into Hollywood. Jean-Claude Van Damme would talk about his karate training and everything else. So why couldn't he just tell people, like, look... I'm actually, you know, a, a black belt in this. I'm certified in that. Like, I've done my actual homework. I can actually do the moves. We're just not doing it for real for film because it's a goddamn film. And of course, we're not doing it for real. Not to mention there's other martial artists like uh, Art Lean here who's like, you know, look, you can't fake those moves. I know you're the real thing. And everything. <laughs> it's like, why don't they publicly go like, y'all are crazy. It's legit. Like, there's... A million different ways this can be resolved, but you know that's his "quote unquote" character arc. Question mark. Well, he's too I busy guess. chasing after random blondes and insulting a random Asian man that walked by. He also must have a terrible publicist if they've never corrected the press to do any of this stuff. You know, it's like 
get somebody in there and set the record straight if it means that much to you. If it wasn't Van Damme, I thought there was an actor um, back in the day that had to deal with being called he was a phony. Was it maybe it was uh, Seagal? Mm. Don't remember. Maybe. I know what you're that, talking about, but I don't remember. It, it would it would make sense if it was Seagal, but yeah, that was kind of a thing for a while. But even still, I think most people nowadays are savvy to the fact that yeah, of course, most of these people don't have legit training unless they've specifically, you know, marketed themselves as that. So you're not actually going to be doing uh, reverse roundhouse kicks to somebody's face because then they're they will end up in the hospital. You can't have that. On one of our Bad Reviews Against Humanity shows, someone was saying, Keanu Reeves can't really fight. And I think he was talking about The Matrix at the time, but we've now seen like video evidence of Keanu Reeves actually being one of the most deadly actors on the planet. Well, there you go. Just some backstage footage of him doing his own stunts. But they didn't have YouTube in those days. You'd have to release it on VHS tape, isn't it? True. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Post it through the door of a newspaper anonymously. <laughs> Put him on Entertainment Tonight or something. That was around back then. You could have a little spotlight of Johnny Cage doing his own stuff and <laughs> show him working with these people and showing like, look, it's not real when we film it, but I can actually do this stuff and just beat up a heavy bag or something. Johnny, there's easier way. Yeah. Were it not for the Mortal <laughs> Kombat fight way. tournament, which, by the way, is, is lethal and to the death, he probably would have ended up in MMA at some point trying desperately to prove himself. Mm. And he doesn't even know that the tournament what it is because it just Shang Tsung as his old master Boyd shows up being like hey go to this tournament what is it just go to this tournament and if you win people will know that you're the real deal and whatnot it's like mm. how will they know it's a secret no tournament no one knows about this tournament <laughs> yeah that's that's the weirdest part is that who is anybody going to be filming this or are they going to broadcast it somewhere no they have to get on a boat that's point. basically a dragon to get there <laughs> And in fact, for both of Johnny's fights, well, for his first fight in the tournament, there was literally zero audience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and for the second one, it started in an audience, and then he left. Yeah. So now yeah, just it, nobody... It, Damn it, Johnny. And it's well, on the side of a cliff where nobody can see. Can do the balls. Absolutely. We're having, the we're having WrestleMania in an alternate dimension. This it's okay. Year. They got loads of footage of him standing back while uh, Liu Kang fought Reptile for ages. He <laughs> <laughs> doesn't lend a hand. He just, like, they go and fight. And, like, imagine the camera on John at this point going, well, I'm not taking part in this one. Did you see that guy? He's spitting everywhere. <laughs> But it, it he was face. having a panic attack because as soon as they hit Outworld, like his anxiety shot through. I'm back in high school. I can, like I, I can handle uh, this. I'm good. I, I, hate I, I hate it here. <laughs> also, for the comment about WrestleMania in the alternate dimension this weekend, we are literally having WrestleMania in an alternate dimension. We are. Yeah, that's pretty much already taking place. <laughs> so. Um, but it's a frivolous quest for Johnny to be on, but he's a frivolous guy and thankfully adds levity to the film. And again, this is actually one of the film's strengths. It just goes, right, this is Johnny Cage. He's an actor. People think he's a fake, but he wants to show them that he's not. Moving on, quick. And it is in, it's not like in a real rush, but it just tells you what you need to know and then moves the fuck on really quickly. As opposed to, let us stop and explain the history of Johnny Cage. I was going to say, I think the, the, 
thing we all need to remember with this movie as we've been going through this whole Johnny Cage thing is like the movie defies logic at every point in turn. Oh, yeah. And that it's actually a strength of the movie. Yeah, like as opposed to Street Fighter where they're like, oh, we've got to somehow base this in reality. No fireballs. Thank you very much. Does that mean that Shang Tsung has absorbed Master Boyd or... I assume. I think Since so. Shang Tsung is uh, functionally immortal, was he the one training Johnny Cage for all those years? I doubt that. But I do think he killed Master Boyd and then used his form to appear to him because he does use um, Chen, the the young, the tiny child's uh, form, to try to trick the very gullible Liu Kang at the end. So it would, it would seems like if he sucks you in, he can he can wear you. And that's backed up by long history in the video games. That yes, if he absorbs at least part of your soul, yes, he can then turn into you. All right. Uh, can we get a justice for Master Boyd hashtag going on Twitter? <laughs> <laughs> Master Boyd did nothing wrong. Only if they try to make this exact Shang Tsung into some kind of antihero. <laughs> also, I'm not sure Master Boyd did nothing wrong. He did nothing to temper Johnny's <clears throat> proclivities. That is true, yeah. That is true. He never warned him off being a complete jerk. Uh, so anyway, Liu Kang visits uh, Thailand and meets a literal wizard. Uh, the, uh, the, he actually meets this uh, this Scottish Gandalf played by uh, Christophe Lambert, uh, who is uh, you know uh, he overcomes his Scottish accent to deliver us what actually sounds like a French sort of like long white haired like Magneto from Age of Apocalypse looking guy with um, the the big sort of straw hat thing. An interesting choice considering that Raiden's definitely an Asian god. We're fighting for the fate of the world. That's why you left the temple and ran away, isn't it? The great tournament was too much responsibility. But vengeance... That's so much simpler. Lord Raiden! You're still running away from your destiny. Grandfather, get up! This isn't your god of thunder and lightning. He's just a beggar! Spare him, my Lord Raiden. American life is enfeebled his mind. Too much television. So you're going to win the tournament? Yes, I am. Show me how. I mean, really, what is this accent that he's doing? And what is this, like, the god of thunder and, and lightning and is supposed to be part of this huge, like, Asian lore just showing up as a blue-eyed, white-skinned motherfucker? Like, what is this? <laughs> what are they thinking? It's called cultural appropriation. <laughs> that, that accent, by the oh way, my God, the laugh. Is, is just Christopher Lambert's natural accent. He sounds like that in Highlander. Yeah. He sounds like that in Night Moves. He sounds like that in everything. <laughs> I think somehow being in Highlander convinced him that if he was accepted as a Scottish Frenchman living in America... Everything else would be fine. Yeah, but it's more like, what if Peter Laurie was a thunder guy? <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> oh. I'm glad that Christopher Lambert is having so much fun. Oh, yeah. He's loving being it. Being raided. Oh, he's Sorry. <laughs> I think it's to be a joke to him. He is just so... He's just so cavalier with everything that's going on. <laughs> One of you three will decide the outcome of the tournament. The fate of billions will depend upon you. <laughs> Sorry. 
sorry, when was Aladdin released? Because I I got kind of a genie vibe out of him. Obviously not with Robin Williams, you know. Nineteen ninety-two. Uh, so Aladdin was like ninety-two. It's enough time for him to definitely be influenced by the character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Just the the presence and the interaction and the you know kind of the he almost breaks the fourth. Well, he does break the fourth wall at one point. He's he's talking to well, we don't know who he's talking to when Johnny decides to fight Goro. He's just talking to himself out loud, I think. Ah. It has begun. And in any professional martial arts film, Liu Kang will go, you're not really Raiden, I must challenge you to a fight. And they'd have a really protracted fight which would show off Raiden's lightning skills. But instead he does one judo, like, fling, and Liu Kang's like, all right, you're Raiden. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, he also exhibits his hex vision. Yeah, he goes... (laughs) (laughs) Well, and he's still a little, like not 100% convinced until they're on the boat and uh, Raiden single-handedly deals with Scorpion and Sub-Zero, and then he's like, oh, you really are Raiden. Okay. Nice. He's like, you know, watch your tongue around him. He is Lord Raiden. As though, as though Sonya, and specifically Johnny, is supposed to know this. Like, that, that means nothing to us. <laughs> so, uh, up until 30 seconds ago, he didn't believe in any of this crap. And then mm. Raiden teleports away, and... Johnny and Sonya are like, okay, there's a logical explanation here. He's like, yeah, he's Lord Raiden. I'm like, you were an atheist 30 seconds ago, you crotch. American TV had enfeebled his mind. <laughs> but that's all done. No, right I'm now. talking to them like, duh, don't you believe? Like, shut up. Yeah, it, that basically makes him Luke Skywalker, the chosen one. He's like, yeah, you never heard of the, You don't believe in the Force, do you? It's like, you literally just found out about it. <laughs> You know, he's only been already designated as the chosen one because he had the dream. Whatever, I guess that's watching his brother die. Mm. Specifically dreaming of Shang Tsung and, like, the the order of light that's sort of mentioned. Like, you can extrapolate from that that these guys, at least on Earth, know about this fight tournament and choose someone to go forth to be their champion. I think Kung Lao gets mentioned once. Does he get mentioned in this? Uh, oh, yeah, he, gets several he does times, get mentioned yeah. once. Okay, yeah, who was like, twice. if you know the games, he was Liu Kang's ancestor, but not the same as the Kung Lao who has a razor odd job hat, who right. is another ans- a descendant of Kung Lao? Anyone? Also, cool. yeah. Uh, yeah, so the Kung Lao we know in the games with the odd job hat and everything, he's just another, I don't remember, I don't think there's an actual Are family relationship, but... They're they're either cousins or they're just like quote unquote brothers, but not blood related because they both uh, learned under uh, Bo Raicho and they both were dis- uh, disciples of the Shaolin uh, monks. Okay, but it's just that Kung Lao likes cutting people in half with his razor hat, and Lu doesn't. That's the, that's the major difference between them. Side note: that, by the way. Kung Lao's always had a like complex of like living under Liu Kang's shadow because Liu Kang's the chosen one. Oh. <sighs> Always on about the chosen one. He's Ron Weasley. It's funny that you mention Ron Weasley because I realized what we were watching at this time with uh, Sonya being really like not able to people. And this, you find this out on the boat. She's like, she meets Johnny and shoves a gun under his chin and goes, where's Kano? It's like, whoa. Like she doesn't ask anyone questions without sticking a gun in their face. She doesn't know how to have a conversation with anyone. That's Hermione when you first meet her. And that makes... Lou, the chosen one, that's Harry. I am the chosen one. And Sonia should bash him on the head with a book. So he's like, ow, sorry. Okay, yeah, got it. And that makes the funny one, Ron, Johnny Cage. Ronnie Cage, if you will. And Joe Rowling (laughs) was totally a fan of Mortal Kombat, clearly. 
the film specifically. There's no other explanation. <laughs> no, none. <laughs> Your world is but one of many realms. One of them's a forsaken land called Outworld, ruled by an immortal who has crowned himself emperor. Now he seeks a new world to conquer and enslave. Now, wait a second. If this guy is so powerful, then why doesn't he just invade us? To enter the realm of Earth, the Empress Demon Sorcerer Shang Tsung and his warriors have to win ten straight victories in mortal combat. <laughs> they have won nine. This will be the tenth tournament. A handful of people on a leaky boat are going to save the world. Exactly. The essence of mortal combat is not about death, but life. Mortal men and women defending your own world. Why are you telling us all this? What about the others? They are all great fighters. But I have looked into their souls. And yours. One of you three will decide the outcome of the tournament. One of us? So I could win this? Not you, Sonya. You're a woman. <laughs> They're on a boat and they meet uh, uh, Sub-Zero and Scorpion, who... Uh, honestly, they did pretty well at making these ninjas look like the dudes in the game. They... They just bring them out and, and go... They have the appropriate level of, like, being fearsome and a bit odd. Uh, and and they get to show off their magic powers. And again, I can't imagine if this version of the film was like, we aren't going to have anyone creating ice, no souls are going to be dire directly taken, and Scorpion just has a spear attached to a chain that he throws at people. It's got what? to be a monster that comes out of his hand. <laughs> <laughs> and he definitely has to turn into a skeleton at some point and breathe fire. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome <laughs> to the Skeleton League, Johnny Cage. Oh, my God. It was totally a Skeleton League moment. It was crazy. Skeleton warrior. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, one thing that I've always had an issue with with this movie is that they make the chain spear thing from scorpion being this living thing that comes out of his hand because it never has been before or mm -hmm. since this movie it's the one thing like this movie has some weird like legacy things the weird living face thing that comes out of his hand the fact that the fact kano in this movie is australian and since then like this movie made him australian in canon oh nice yeah really? ever yeah ever since he's yeah. been played by an australian voice oh. actor or at least somebody doing an australian accent mm -hmm. but either way so then he freezes this guy, right? And then he explodes. I can see his guts and everything. Raiden is now fight daddy, and he explains to the uh, uh, to Harry, Ron, and Hermione about how Mortal Kombat. I don't. Was it here that he says it's not about the death, but life? And it's like, yeah. Yes. Have you played those games, Raiden? It's really about it death. There's about a lot death. of I mean, death. There's a lot of death. death. Yes. And that maybe. was the line the kids could give feed their parents. Yeah. It's, it's not called a revivality. <laughs> it's, it's not about fatalities. It's about friendship. Friendship. So Which we get to see one of those one in of the those. game. Not the game. Yeah, Johnny does. Yeah, he, yeah. he throws yeah, the Johnny uh, drops photograph his down. little, uh, yeah, to my biggest his sign, fan. His signed photograph, yeah. Yep. yep. Uh, next time you watch the film, folks, watch. Look at the background of the ship carefully. They've they've covered the the what they ostensibly supposed to be floating on an ocean with dry ice but especially if you're looking at it on blu-ray 
you can actually see that the night behind them with the stars is a curtain with fairy lights on it. It's it, it's it's very low budget, uh, but at the same time, there's a charm wow. to that. But then they also mix it in with like CGI mist on the water, which looks completely out of place. Yeah, especially when it turns into CGI skulls. Yeah. Oh, is this when uh, when Shang Tsung's like, it has begun? Yeah, the two lines back to back, Raiden saying it has begun, and then Shang Tsung saying the exact same line. Yeah, I know, I, I just said that. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to repeat it. I was saying it to the baddies. You said to the goodies. That's <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But no, I love all the kind of set designs and atmosphere in this movie. They do a really good job of really recreating some of the, like, early game levels in this and just giving this real sense of foreboding and just creepiness to all of it. Obviously on a shoestring-ish budget, but, like, it looks really good. It's still, aside from the the stars in the night being a curtain, you know, it holds up pretty well, I think. Yeah, all the realistic stuff, all the real practical sets and everything else, that, that all holds up. The CGI, not so much. Oh, God, no. Like I said, it's, it's some of the absolute worst in, in, in the 90s. I mean, do you remember Lost in Space with all those CGI, like, six-legged mm-hmm. spider things and that blarp thing? That, I, that's, it's that level of awful. Yeah, I do think one of the funniest um, CGI interaction bits is when Johnny's having the fight with Scorpion and the, the beastie from inside his hand is kind of shooting out at him and it, it kind of gets right up in his face and snaps at him a few times and Johnny's kind of like rearing back from it and then like a frame or two before that sequence finishes, he just gives up interacting. It's it's just like, uh, okay, I'm, I'm done. Uh, uh, was that good enough, Paul? <laughs> and when Reptile, when, when Shang Tsung talks to the statue Reptile, uh, his head whips to the side as if Reptile passed him a good half a second before Reptile goes past nice. him. He was talking about tennis bother ball. They didn't bother to redo that. I don't even think they used the they tennis ball. They could afford like, tennis balls. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. Do you know how low this budget was? Yeah, they could afford tennis balls, but didn't have a budget for another take. Absolutely. <laughs> we spent our tennis ball money on Christopher Lambert. <laughs> we could see you like, the tennis balls. It'll look fine. Balls, as we all know in the 90s, CGI balls looked really good. Scorpion and Sub-Zero, deadliest of enemies, but slaves under my power. Move aside. The tournament itself is kind of a mishmash of Enter the Dragon, and as we, which we've covered, and Big Trouble in Little China, which we've also covered. And I'm sure we mentioned that back at the di- uh, in the in the day. So it's kind of shamelessly riffing on both of those, but in a way that kind of creates its own mythology with, with this cocktail. You know how Uncharted was basically the uh, mechanics of Gears of War meets the the general adventure of Tomb Raider, but with its own kind of attitude. Uh, it it created its own video gaming mythology that way. <clears throat> yeah, and if I'm not mistaken, like Ed Boon and the creators, they'd said, you know, the original game concept was doing just a 2D fighter of 
that kind of Hong Kong fooey martial arts movies meets Big Trouble in Little China. So it's spot on. It's actually, again, surprising that they were able to so accurately bring that to live action with the film. This is why I'd like to see James Hong, just before he goes, come back and do Shang Tsung once. Old Shang Tsung. Like, yeah. Yes. You did not expect Lao Pan to come back, did you? But Carrie Hiroyuki Tagawa as Shang Tsung, again, puts like way more effort and energy into this character than he would need to. You can imagine an actor coming in and kind of slumming it as Shang Tsung, but he puts so much venom into his voice. He's truly hateable and detestable. So, um, yeah, it, it's... It, My notes say that uh, uh, he and Christopher Lambert were the only two that were really enjoying themselves. Nice. Because you could tell he was just just relishing just chewing on the scenery with every line. Mm. Yeah, Even the really cheesy one, it. like, fatality. He just is like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> he gets such a joy out of seeing people get ripped in half. It's just his thing. He Flaws. seems to put that into every role. I, I uh, just finished watching one of the earlier episodes of SG-1, Stargate SG-1. Right. And he had a role in that. And it was just, it was Shang Tsung in Stargate SG-1. Like, he, he puts that level into everything. Shang <laughs> no. oh Tsung right. in space. <laughs> yeah, no, he's he does a great job to where like I still to this day, anytime I'm like playing the games, or whatever, I'm like, but that's not Shang Tsung, Carrie Tagawa, that's Shang Tsung mm-hmm. to me. Like, just this movie is so impactful, and yeah, just you can imagine after every take, and you know, uh, Paul Anderson's yelling cut, and he's just like, you, I'd imagine he gets a devilish smile after every cut of a take he's in, just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So there's some fun moments here. Johnny's uh, fixation with his luggage, which uh, um, frustrated Lara. She was just like, leave them behind. Uh, it, it, it comes to this face plant into the water, which uh, uh, Lyndon Ashby plays. I mean, honestly, I'm very grateful for Lyndon Ashby being in this film because he, he's kind of the Han Solo type character mm-hmm. there to sort of uh, you know take the wind out of the, the slightly more lofty navel-gazing magic stuff. Yeah, and he's playing, he's kind of sending himself up the whole time. He mm-hmm. does embrace the whole um, you know, you are not here to look cool, you are here to look like you want to look cool. Yeah. So when he's like, the whole thing yeah, about no, his sunglasses like, oh my god, you broke these like three hundred dollar sunglasses. You're gonna pay for that. Like two thousand dollar sunglasses. My god. Those were five hundred dollar sunglasses, asshole. <gasps> Come on! And we get kind of a fatality. Like most of the fatalities that we get in this movie seem to involve ice. Uh, because uh, Sub-Zero uh, freezes a guy who then explodes. I can see his guts and everything. And uh, you really can't. And uh, then uh, we get to uh, to meet Goro, who only this time I realized was Vincent Adultman. It is two kids, stand like one sitting yes. on the other's shoulders, underneath yes. this dragon prince overcoat. And uh, they're just hoping and praying that they don't get found out. I but- did a fight today. It was a good fight. I made fatality. Vincent, all you ever do is talk about fining. Um, my, en- my entire life, I have wondered why Goro sounds familiar. Oh, it's, it's, Ke- it's Kevin Michael Richardson. And it's because it's Kevin yep. Michael freaking Richardson, which I didn't know until I watched it a few days ago when you first invited me on. I, I was looking through the credits. I'm like, mm-hmm. Kevin Richardson? So that's uh, and- Sheriff Blubs in Gravity Falls. That's Bulkhead in Transformers mm-hmm. Prime. It's the Joker yep. in The Batman. 
Yeah, and I just noticed that this time around too. But all all the like roars and him yelling and everything is, of course, Frank Welker. Oh, well, seriously? we totally Kyle. get Welkered in this movie. It's like <laughs> so, every uh, other we voice get three is just Frank Welker. Doctor Claw, we get three Welkers: fools. him, the Emperor, and Reptile. He also uh-huh. he was Reptile's weird sounds too, wasn't he? Oh yeah, yeah he's uh. he's everywhere in this movie. I love it. Pathetic fools have come for your souls. I don't think so. But you know, we we meet Goro, and honestly, it's it, he Goro from whichever perspective you're sitting at, either looks really good or like absolute shit. It's like I'm I'm in the really good camp because this is kind of like that some of the last gasp for Jim Henson style um, animatronic uh, uh, puppetry and things. And from the, from the looks of it, um, although we had to scour YouTube to find any kind of making of stuff because there's nothing on the Blu-ray apart from an embarrassing cartoon. It, it seemed to be some kind of like there's a guy in the Goro suit and then there's another guy who's controlling the upper arms. Um, I, the way it looked when they were building it was that there's there's a guy in the suit playing the lower arms, mm-hmm. and then there's... A, and the crotch. There's a, yeah. <laughs> and then there's like a um, some important. kind of uh, hydraulic rig that connects the lower arms and the upper arms together. So mm-hmm. when he moves the lower arms, the upper arms move to match. Oh, nice. Okay. Cool. That's that. I maybe I missed a stage, but that's certainly what it looked like to me. I thought it was robot puppeteering from off camera of the upper. There was arms. probably a bit of that as well because um, you'd need something like that to do um, hand motions yeah. and possibly the and face. The face. Yeah. Yeah. And the face, definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And the face on that animatronic was excellent. Oh, like he looks menacing when mm. he's uh, in, insulting Kano when he gets hit in the nuts. He looks like he got hit in the nuts. I was really impressed. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's not bad. He's got a pretty good range of expressions for something that was made in the mid-90s using animatronics. It's mm. not an easy thing to do. Exactly. And then you put it next to all of this weird blobby CG, yeah. and it just looks that much better by comparison. Imagine yeah, a version and, and of this film where Goro is played by a CG thing that looks like Reptile. Yeah. Yeah. It just it just makes you wonder why they didn't just opt to do more of that with the other characters. Like, Reptile probably would have been better served if he was just the ninja in the green outfit the whole time. Yeah. Or, like, uh, they briefly had a reptile-looking uh, uh, thing that was animatronic rather than CG. But it it feels like it was the 90s. They had to practice CG on piffle that children would like. And that was about it. So nothing important. So that's why the this rotten um, Mortal Kombat cartoon has the worst CG you will ever see in it. It's uh, the, the journey begins. It's it was It seemed like it was a one-off. And it's kind of the, the prototype for the movie, and it came out a little bit beforehand, but they actually had the gall. And this is um, the, uh, the the producer of Food Fight, had the gall to stick that on videotape and ship it out to supermarkets where confused parents would get it for their kids thinking it was the movie, and it's really not. Well, there's actually a production reason for why uh, Reptile changes uh, throughout, and it's also the reason why Johnny, uh, yeah, Johnny Cage mm-hmm. wasn't in the Reptile fight. That's um, that's a reshoot. That's a additional oh. footage shoot. So they they finished the movie and they had it all lined up and ready to go. And one of the odd complaints they got there wasn't enough fights. So I can't remember. I think there's one other fight that was also a reshoot, but the Reptile, the entire Reptile fights a reshoot. So that's yeah. why. 
test audience have said there weren't enough fights. There's only a fight every five minutes or less in this movie. <laughs> this is what I heard, but hey, it was Mortal Kombat in '95. <laughs> I'm glad they. I'm glad they did add it. It's it's one of the better ones because uh, ultimately, oh, Robin sure. Shu, who plays Liu Kang, and uh, whoever it is that plays Reptile. I know that the ninjas are all three different guys, and I know that uh, Scorpion played the body of Dex the Dog Detective in Food Fight. Um, oh. <laughs> but uh, it, like, it, when the actual just martial artists go up against each other, it's pretty good. It's, yeah, uh, it's, it looks it looks a lot better. Like you can actually you can actually tell when when it's the actual fighters doing the work because the the fight gets faster and mm. it looks a lot cleaner and the stances look more like actual martial arts stances. It's yeah. A little bit. It stands out now that you know people are are a little bit more savvy. They know what to look for. Mm. But yeah, the reptile fight is actually one of the better ones. So I'm kind of glad they they put some of this stuff in. And they're doing some pretty cool stuff. Like there's um uh the guy whoever is playing Sub Zero does uh, a run up a wall. He does a wall flip. Mm-hmm. Um, he does a back handspring into a kip up, which is a really hard thing to do. So these guys have some real moves. They've got some real skill between them. Yeah, you they can't are. fake those moves. No, you, <laughs> no, you really can't because they're doing it for real. Um, there are a couple of scenes where you can tell they're on wires and things mm. like that, but the the wall flip is real. A lot of the kip ups are are pretty good and. These guys are throwing, like, standing back handsprings, which are not easy moves. Hmm. You're telling me when Reptile goes back flipping 800 times back through the wall, that wasn't real and that was wire work? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and Liu Kang's bicycle kick wasn't actually just a thing he just does? Oh, I <laughs> wish it was a thing he actually just did. That'd be amazing. you got to think right. about where martial arts films were at this point in time. You, you, they'd had loads of um, uh, Hong Kong uh, films uh, made, and the, the white guy karate craze had sort of stretched from the early 80s all the way through to the uh, mid-90s here. But it, it was mostly things like Seagal and Van Damme were kind of at the top of that with sort of Chuck Norris on the side. But these were not movies that attracted big audiences. No. They were all like very much kind of a video market kind of uh, uh, movie. I suppose Under Siege, like you'd get occasional ones that would bring people in. Time Cop was quite uh, popular if they had enough of a hook. But by and large, it was not people were not coming to see massive fight movies. And, you know, in a few years' time, just uh, four years off, you got The Matrix, where they, the Wachowskis took great actors and taught them martial arts. They, they ran them through the ringer. And then years later, The Raid took great martial artists and asked them to act. And they got some fantastic stuff out of that. Mortal Kombat, by and large, takes okay-ish actors and teaches them possible martial arts and occasional accomplished martial artists and ask them to act in okayish fashion it's kind of a halfway house and it like sort of goofily sort of limps along it's enough to impress kids in the the 90s the only actor that i felt like didn't really sell the whole thing was sonia yeah like as much as yeah she's i there's there's nothing wrong with her character in and of itself but when she goes to fight it does not look good mm. at it doesn't all. Look like like she's not what she's doing at all. Oh, not yeah. at all. Like her, her stance is terrible. Her fights are slow, and it's very, very obvious when they swap out a stunt woman for her because mm. she can actually kick and she can actually look like she knows what she's doing. So mm. that uh, either was uh, a lack of training or 
not enough time to train her or she simply wasn't getting it. I'm not sure. It could have been a combination of all those things. But Sonia was the only one where I could have, you know, possibly could have done with a little bit more work in that department. I mean, honestly, Sonia didn't impress me with her martial arts or with her acting in this particular film. I liked her a lot more as uh, Schwarzenegger's daughter in Last Action Hero. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Whitney. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But here, her, her acting was yeah, like it, she reads from a card yes it just didn't it just didn't do just anything snappy. for me yeah uh, also we've just finished um covering terminator dark fate and when you've seen when you see mackenzie davis just running herself ragged training 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 to have Absolutely. that athletic ability and just selling it so hard on screen you then walk all the way back to the mid 90s and bridget wilson i suppose not embarrassing all the women by being utter crap but she's definitely the weakest link in this chain and i think that might explain why she was tied up wearing you know with teased hair who did shang Tsung do that himself or did he get one of his monks to tease her hair anyway <laughs> uh, and put her in a little a couple of the goons doing it just being like well this is what the boss ordered my apologies sonia we have no product in Outworld. Reminds me of the executioner in uh, Blazing Saddles. You know, <laughs> no that's news, the guy that got to news. do her hair. That yeah, guy. Exactly. Summon the hair monks. But Let's I think that's why she was... I think that's why she spent the end of the, the film, you know, trussed up, so they didn't have to have her in the fight scene. Yeah, she didn't have to carry so much of the, the action towards the end of the film. That does kind of make a little bit of sense. Like, Liu Kang's, he, that actor clearly Robin had some Shoot. training. He's an actual martial artist. They kind of left a lot of that to the people that sort of knew what they were doing already. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. Sonya doesn't have a fight after the Kano fight. Yeah, true, yeah. She's, uh, she, she, does, no, she, she takes part yeah. in, the, in the first group scrap, which is fun, by the way. They fight a bunch of monks, and it's just sort of all of them, and, and Robin does a little run up the wall and spins and kicks. And I realized that uh, Paul W.S. Anderson clearly kept that in his spank bank so that he could tell Mila Jovovich to do the same thing to one of the zombie dogs in the shitty Resident Evil film. Um, and, mm-hmm. and and she does. But, um, but yeah, no, Shu has a sort of a, a poise and a beauty about him, and he's like, you know, his shirt just sort of falls off him all the time. Frequently. So, yeah. <laughs> so, and that beautiful, kinda... uh, that beautiful Farrah Fawcett-style hair. Oh, oh yeah. my... Do you know what I think? Mm. They got the idea for feathering Sonia's from his. From his. Like, <laughs> we, we, we oh, yeah. I like this style. Let's see if we can make hers match. Yeah, but uh, basically... Thanks on sitting there being like, hmm, I like his hair, but <laughs> not him. How can I... Got it. Your hair is mine. <laughs> <laughs> and it, he sucks it off Lou's head and was like, no! What if they just had Raiden go up and electrocute her and that's how her hair got that way? That actually would it would make sense if she also turned briefly into a cartoon skeleton. <laughs> this movie is not above that. <laughs> Johnny Cage versus Scorpion is notable because it's one of the most visually striking fights. 
and it has this disgusting like dragon spear thing. I'm wondering whether they made it a real life creature for a potentially safety so they weren't throwing blades at their dudes or b because at least in the UK ninja weapons were still not allowed in movies. They had Michelangelo spinning a string of sausages in term- in a terminated in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 and that got cut from the UK version because it was too like nunchucker sausages. Did this get over there clean, Alex? Did did yeah. uh, you said you rented it? This this wasn't touched. There isn't. I can't remember a single moment that, uh, of the Blu-ray version that I've just seen uh, that wasn't in that was new or that like, I've, I've watched it a bunch of times since then. That's part of its charm. It's very rewatchable. But yeah, no, it all came across. Um, I think I probably got a fifth. Yeah, it's a fifteen in the UK. It shouldn't be. It should be a twelve. I was gonna say how the hell. Yeah. Oh, because they said asshole. <laughs> <laughs> you must be 15. You must be 15. You must have the maturity of a 15-year-old boy to watch this movie. <laughs> Can do. <laughs> <laughs> or to film this movie. <laughs> or to Call film this like, gotcha. movie. You must have a, a precisely the emotional maturity of a 15-year-old to a 15-and-a-half-year-old. <laughs> Any older, and you'll consider this baby shit. You have to match Paul W.S. Anderson when he made it. <laughs> but there's this one move that uh, Scorpion does when they're down in, in his lair. And, like, Johnny grabs both of his legs and, spin, like, throws him up into the air. And he does a somersault, comes all the way around, and then double kicks Johnny in the chest. That's pretty rad. That was awesome. Yeah. yeah. And Johnny was, also employs a bit of Jim Cotta in this section of the fight, which is pretty great. He's just doing like, <laughs> a, like a parallel, like parallel bars and stuff like that. It's really great. Oh yeah, then he kicked the raptor out of a window. And then he like flips up and on hauls himself bodily upwards and upside down yeah, onto the. Have the upper body strength for that? It, feel, it seems like an exhausting move, and why would you like wreck your forearms and fingers to do that to vaguely impress Scorpion? It looked cool. I, was like, cool. I hope you got the, the cameras on, folks. <laughs> Everything about the Scorpion fight is like Paul W. Anderson went, okay, I want to have all the rows of parallel trees and I want people to run. Yeah. And then I want to go. To hell! I don't have bones everywhere. <laughs> How do we fit that into the movie? We don't. Uh, shit. Hang on, I can make this happen. <laughs> well, there is a continuity for it, for why they go to quote-unquote hell, because in the game, since this movie, they've made a point, like, because Scorpion's like a specter, that he can actually transport people like he does in this movie to the nether realm, mm. so that it's like... But that's retroactive continuity, though. That's that's the movie did yeah, it, so I, now we're doing I'll it. I'll tell you what that is. That's, uh, okay, we're signing the rights contract. Here's how it's going to work, Paul. Anything you come up with, we're allowed to use. <laughs> <laughs> Especially the Australian accent on this Kano guy. I'm kind of digging that. 
And he uh, also Lyndon Ashby reminded me of John Saxon in Enter the Dragon. Like he's the 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 white guy basically. Yeah. And um yep. that also reminded me of uh, the the black guy in Enter the Dragon who gets murdered. Like just after he proves what a complete badass he is, he gets completely murdered. And then that same shit happens to Art here cuz Go- Goro enters the game and this guy Art who we've only just been introduced to is like, "Art, oh, we all know and love Art." Uh, has a a little fight with uh, Goro and gets slaughtered. And it's kind of like, you could have made that Jax, the guy Mm -hmm. who uh, Sonya abandons at the beginning, and you could have had Goro rip his goddamn arms out of this, just just wrench both arms off, and then have him not die. So then, uh, like, at the end of the movie, like, after the credits, like, he's got these massive cybernetic arms that they put on to him, and it's like, boom, boom, ready for round two. Boom. You know? Nice. It is kind of You are never going to believe this. Next time, baby. It's a total next time, baby, for Jax. It is physically impossible to rip both someone's arms off at the same time. Ah, unless you're Goro. Oh, good point. Yeah, unless you have four arms or you have cybernetic arms. Everybody knows that. Okay. Also, are we really talking about what's physically possible and impossible? Yeah, I was being vaguely In Mortal Kombat 2, Jax has two death moves. One of them is the head clap, which is exactly what it sounds like. And the other one is Mm -hmm. the double arm rip. So it would be kind of like uh, uh, good for the gander. Yeah. Now, I think you can if they're standing on the floor. But either way, just like have Jax be completely armless and have Sonya being, I will avenge you. And, and Jax be like, oh, Sonya, like, these guys play for keeps. He kept my arms. <laughs> I was like, now I have six. <laughs> <laughs> That's how Goro gets his extra arms. He steals them. them. You want me to lend you a hand? <laughs> yeah, the Johnny Cage fight, he just has them taped to his hips. <laughs> but no one's... <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Careful, I'm armed. But, <laughs> but I mean, like, they just make up this character just to kill him. And like when, when it happens, so, like Sonya and Johnny go, no! Like they've yeah, known was... art their whole lives. Well, isn't I... that cute that they try to have emotional stakes in this movie? How adorable. <laughs> there was there was part of me that was thinking, well, maybe it's because he's like the first human to die. But he's not. No. The dreadlock no, guy gets his soul sucked out. No one's going no about that apart from him. <laughs> I don't think the dreadlock guy was from Earth, though. Exactly. The whole montage of people just getting the same, like, three or four dudes getting beaten down yep. by Goro right before this fight. Also, yeah, oh. in, Enter, in Enter the Dragon, the black guy at least got to show he was a badass. Well, art in this movie doesn't. Yeah, just, that's true. He doesn't there. do anything. And then dies. Least, there's there's the guy with the bow staff that has a, a staff fight it, towards the beginning of the tournament, and some of that stuff looks pretty cool. So yeah. that guy who dies immediately or gets eliminated immediately has more cool stuff to do than the person we're supposed to actually have an emotional stake in. Yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, he does a bit of capoeira and uh, and gets yeah, to fight yeah. uh, Robin Shue rather than a puppet. This seems actually playing on my iPad right now. I always thought of him as like, was this some sort of dig for Midway and Mortal Kombat at Street Fighter with the character of DJ? Was this the, like their version of him? Be like, yeah, no, he's terrible. Yeah, I called him DJ when I was a kid. Possibly. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, Jim Kelly, by the way, is the uh, guy who gets moiderized in uh, Enter the Dragon. And it, like, he, he manages, as we said in the show, he actually steals a cop car and is like, fuck you, pigs, and then drives away, so, like, which would make uh, audiences at the time go, yeah! And then it's like, don't get too uppity. We're going to kill him anyway. It's, it's, uh, it, it just felt like he could actually have been, you know, all the, gotten all the way through to the end. So, I don't know. Also, also, like, uh, why not just have Jax be in this movie the whole way through? He's a great character. Yeah. Right? Next that time. That would have been nice. Wait, I saw, I saw the sound... I had the soundtrack before I saw the film. Mm-hmm. And that track is entitled Goro vs. Art. And as a kid, before I'd seen the movie, what popped into my head <laughs> is the scene from the first Batman movie. Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. Lawrence? He's like, I don't know. Oh, with I don't know what this is, instead of but the Joker. I like it. <laughs> Boys. It's time to approve the paintings. <laughs> I just kill art till someone dies. <laughs> Goro's going through like a museum with all like statues and everything, and he's like, well, some of these have arms and some of them don't. Let's make that all even. Nice. And one of them would have been him ripping the arms off of the Venus de Milo and going, perfect. I like oh, yep. exactly. Hey, Jax, remind you of anyone? And then turning up in the next scene with two stone arms <laughs> yeah, just stuck like, on yeah. his back. <laughs> Why does he not look like an arm porcupine by the end of this? So Liu Kang then fights Princess Katana, and I think the subtext is that Katana has been like we never get to see the um, what's the word bracketeering of uh, of everyone in this. Uh, uh, fight. No, this tournament is bullshit. There's no organization at yep. all. Oh yeah, it's just a complete free for all. There are some people that just come out and start fights randomly in the hallway when nobody's <laughs> watching. <ever. laughs> Who's up next? Like me, and who are you? <laughs> Like, back to the Scorpion Johnny Cage fight, like, was Johnny Cage told, go out into the forest, your opponent will meet you there, and it'll be revealed? Or was he just, like, out for a stroll, and all of a sudden, the Shang Tsung was like, hey, Scorpion, go deal with him real quick. Again, though, this is kind of a strength of the film, because they aren't, like, trying to belabor how well-organized this fight contest is. It is full of cheaters, because yeah, like, they're, they just, they're just, they just trying to steal to it. it. You know, they're trying to get their 10th uh, um, championship in a row so that they can then legally invade the Earth. Who arranged this, by the way? <laughs> the shitty Elder God. Yeah. Yeah. You, say, yeah, you want the real answer? Or? Yeah. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I know that there's a real law uh, reason, but uh, it's just, again, it's just stuff you're asked to take on board in the film. You're like, all right, we, we, we want them to win this tournament. There's a lot riding on it. Kind of like The Fifth Element, starring the wife of, uh, of this director. As in, like, you know, they, they, we've got to win this time because then otherwise it goes into rotation of they, they get to invade the Earth and then day turns to night, light to dark, forever. Okay. Which, so- fun fact, when you, like, through the games and everything, when you do see, like, Outworld or various places invading Earthrealm, mm-hmm. like, it's just scores of demons that get mowed down by guns. And it's like, so it's not that big of a deal really like the army could theoretically handle this anyway yeah outworld were not working on their tech when they should have exactly the outworld people are like they're killing all of our soldiers how i don't know invisible knives Goro's <laughs> like you don't need tech i've got four arms plus this big collection behind me <laughs> So, uh, me and the Predator, we try to trade off, and uh, we have a competition of who has the most skulls and spines in our collection. <laughs> Fun fact, you can actually get the Predator to fight Goro in uh, Mortal Kombat 10? 
again? Is that the one with Predator? Uh, yep. Yeah. Yeah, uh, right. Predator and the Xenomorph. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, Lou fights Princess Katana, who must have said, I must fight Liu Kang. And then they have a, like, I say fight. They just dab at each other. It's a little doggy paddle of a fight. And then it's she's really like. It's really cute. They're dancing. Yeah. And she's like, you know, next for the next fight, use the element that gives life. The element that gives life. The element that can lose, like, yeah, I get it. Okay, water. But no, he doesn't get it until he, he's, he, doesn't he, get he it. trips no. over it, basically. There are only four elements, Lou. You're not even thinking about this. And she has to turn up. And say it in again. his head and go, yeah. look, see? Look what I laid water. out for you. Look where I'm pointing. Look yeah. where I'm pointing. <laughs> Which and Raiden's only, the one and who only after Raiden like conveniently carries in two buckets yeah. of water for him and leaves it just on the floor. Mm. Which again goes back to the weird bracket system. Like, how is this organized? How did she know and he know that far in advance he was that Liu Kang was next going to be fighting Sub Zero? What is going on here? Yeah, <laughs> Liu Kang is going so- to fight Sub Zero. Okay, but I've got to fight him first. Why? Because Why? I, want to, I want to give him a secret message. You can't give him a secret message without just fighting him first. You can't just meet him and say, can we walk and talk? No, right? because Which Reptile is... was following her and she knew that. Oh, good yeah. point. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's... It's kind of a good point. I'll give you... Uh, it's half on that one. Just because, like, why would Shang Tsung let them fight anyway? Like, yeah. he's so adamant about being, like, you know, she's right for world, ruler to outworld, and we can't let her join the forces of Earthrealm, especially Liu Kang, the next morning. Hey, Liu Kang, you're going to fight her now. Oh, yeah. Shao Kahn is going to have his ass if that happens. Get like, real he close knows what's up. Her. Get real close with her. I trust nothing will happen. The mm-hmm. presence of Katana, by the way, renders uh, Shang Tsung's obsession with Sonya weirdly pointless. Yeah. Because it's like, she's the one who's got the authority to rule Outworld. Surely he's had his eye on her for years and would just be like, now you're of age. It's my time. Ooh. Maybe it's, I would imagine it's the thing of like, you know, Shao Kahn not seen in this movie exactly. He's made it very explicit. No, she's off limits. So don't even fucking try your creepy shit with her. I know, <laughs> I know how you are, Shang Tsung. Yeah, I think he just is well aware of where he is on the ladder. So. Also, never date the boss's daughter. Don't do that. Oh, no. That's a terrible idea. The man signs your paychecks? No. Don't. <laughs> Gives you souls on a daily basis. You don't want to run that well dry just by being an uh-huh. idiot. But also, when... she's 10,000 years old, so she's probably dated enough guys like him to recognize. Mm. She's out of his league. <laughs> He's a wrong one. <laughs> she doesn't look a day over 2,500, though. <laughs> she's canonically older than Shang Tsung, so I don't think that works. But Oh, there's that, too. There's no hair product in Outworld, as we've established, but there's plenty of skin products. <laughs> oh, yeah, she's got all kinds of, yeah, she's got all the cosmetics she could ever need. No Aquafina, but plenty of moisturizer. When te- yeah, good for her. When Telus Soto turns up at the near the end and goes, stay away, it's like, whoa, she actually has this commanding princess presence. I'd like to see a lot more of that. But she spends about half the scenes in this movie in a burlap sack. And uh, doesn't really get to command anyone. She just gets to be kind of this additional sage to Liu Kang. Because like it's like Raiden going, I can't go in there, but I can send a proxy. When Soto uh, talked in an interview, she was like... She is the princess of Outworld. And actually, the emperor killed my parents and adopted me in order to lay claim to the throne. So I've been always waiting to rebel against him. 
the only way I think I could have done that was to wait for Luke Cannon. And that made you grind your teeth, didn't it? Well, a little bit, because like ten thousand years is a long time to be sat there going, "There's nothing that I can do about the situation until the right chapter." When will a man of suitably buff chest come along? <laughs> Just chosen <laughs> one. It's not suitably buff chest. It's perfectly coiffed hair. Well, perfectly yes, that too. Hair. Mm. Exactly. Maybe that was the problem. She was waiting for the buffed chest and the coiffed mm. hair to show up on and the same person. I would be remiss to go on without reminding you that our show, especially this episode, takes a hell of a lot of comedy cues from We Hate Movies and their episode on Mortal Kombat, number 161, is an all-time classic. Especially the bit where they're talking about a Mortal Kombat-themed resort. I like the idea of, like, being in your hotel. And you know there's that, like, Channel 3 is always the informational channel. It's just Raiden. Like, so the things to do on Mortal Kombat are... <laughs> please take, adv- take advantage of our commissary. Every morning there's all-you-can-eat breakfast buffet from 6 a.m. to 12 noon. Oh, welcome to Goro's Pat Pat Golf. <laughs> if you would like to rent a boat from Jax's Motorboats, you must fill out all insurance forms <laughs> a day in advance. I want to go to a Mortal Kombat themed resort. <laughs> oh, <laughs> little hungry after dinner? Here's something to cool your appetite. <laughs> Sub-Zero's ice cream. <laughs> Delicious blueberry flavors. <laughs> and top-notch laser eye surgery. I don't know where. <laughs> Wherever they get the robot eyes. In the mood for a midnight snack? Why not come down to Scorpion's fire grill? It'll make you be saying, get over here. We <laughs> <laughs> can't. Looking for something. Looking for something fun to do with the whole family? Check out Reptile's Reptile House. <laughs> meet, all, meet all of his brothers and sisters. <laughs> so we should start talking about Goro a little bit because this is when he shows up. So then Johnny and Sonia are just sort of standing there with the sunset behind them. And he's like... I can't let Goro do that to you, not to you. And she says, oh, don't you dare do anything to protect me, Johnny Cage. Don't you dare fight him to protect me. It is the worst delivery in the whole film because they're, t- they're trying to be totally serious about it. Mm. It's, and it's, I think you can tell it was dubbed later, too. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, mm. yes. The, yeah. Um, the ADR mm. is... Is special, strong in this scene. Yeah, very strong. the ADR is very clearly in a closed stage as opposed to anything remotely outside. Absolutely, yeah. and I think there's one point where she kind of does this thing where she clenches her fists and kind of part stamps her foot, and it's like, okay, oh, so God. now she's ten, <laughs> huffing and puffing. Mm-hmm. And this is then where uh, 
I was asking there, where was Mortal Kombat filmed? And I was like, well, they must have done most of this in Thailand, right? No, apparently Los Angeles. There was, was some... all studio lot stuff. Some yeah, there was some... There was some th- when it's in the uh, temple that Liu Kang came from, that's definitely Thailand. I've seen that place before. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, most of the budget went to dry ice, the set design, and Christopher <laughs> Lambert, and that's it. Dry in ice and building statues out what? of polyst- uh, polystyrene foam. Love those statues. I'd like to have a pair in front yeah. of my house. <laughs> a lot of statues in this film. Goro uh, would come and rip the arms off. So <laughs> I'll take it. Sure, why not? So then uh, Johnny versus Goro, and this is notable for the nut shot. I mean, there aren't many films where someone does the splits and hits someone else in the nuts. And if it's a giant dragon who probably has a, a, a scrotum with six balls in it, hanging down under that <laughs> cassock he's got. But then Shang Tsung, yeah. who has been building up Goro as the be-all, end-all, is like, you weak, pathetic fool, finish him, get up there! And Goro's just like going, ah! So uh, the, the th- I think this would be just... Like completely depowering your own side. Absolutely. You okay? You know his anatomy. You can't send him in there with a cricket box, dude. <laughs> I and this is going to be showing some nerd stuff. How much I know about Mortal Kombat. Uh, it is efficient lore. Carl only has like a human too. Oh. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad I know that now. Wow, I was just, I was really, you know, it was weighing on me, and I'm so glad we've had that clarified. I feel a lot better now, so thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. It's just, you know, because of this movie, again, you know, for years, people questioned, and so in one of the games, I had to specify, because oh God. I guess they have to. Why not? How, how did they Questions frame it? Questions need to be answered. Like, did this, someone's actually directly ask Goro, hey, uh, Goro, how many testicles you no, no, got? No, 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 it's a musical number. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing. Has only got two balls. The others... He doesn't say it, he displays it because he's doing uh, one singular cessation from chorus line and you just see it right up the skirt. That's how it is. The only Ooh. mammal with more arms than balls. <laughs> <laughs> I think we broke Sharon. <laughs> I will say, though, I, pre- I appreciate the amount of stuff in this movie that is, like, game-specific game mechanic stuff. So, like, you know, Johnny doing the splits and the nut shot mm. that's been in the games before and since. It's one of his signature moves. Mm-hmm. Sonia, when she grabs Kano, doing, like, the headstand and mm-hmm. the handstand and having yeah, his... Uh, grabbing him by the legs. Mm-hmm. That's her throw, which was also one of the most broken things in the game, actually, because you can infinite loop it back and forth constantly. Mm. Uh, you know, the Sub-Zero with the ice powers, the Scorpion with the spear, and the soul ceiling for shit. Like, they... And the bicycle kick. Like, they... I appreciate the fact from a gamer that, like, they actually incorporated this stuff in better than, let's say, again, going back to Street Fighter, where the M. Bison Psycho Crusher is done really poorly. Yeah. And there's no fireballs of any kind. Yeah. That's no, Super Mario Brothers. Fire, nobody gets to have special powers. Nothing. Yeah. Right. Let's dance. Finish him! Finish him. Finish him. Finish him. Finish him. Finish him. 
So Johnny kicks him off a cliff. He doesn't fall down screaming, land on spikes and explode. He doesn't fall into a pit of acid. He just falls into clouds. It's almost sweet and spiritual. He gets the crouching tiger death. This is where you fall down. So Shang Tsung at this point cheats wildly and kidnaps the only girl, and they are dragged away by yet more horrendous CG. I don't even know what this is supposed to be. It's like a cloud of goop. And just, I think it's like they, they took the reptile model and just took away all the things that held it together and just went, there you go, goop, you can have that. It's disgusting. And that's when uh, Talisa Soto turns up to do what she can with an incredibly thin role. Uh, and uh, when Lou ends up fighting uh, Reptile, which uh, Lyra said when we w- watched it, like basically he snatches Reptile off the wall from where he's been lurking and following them and throws him into a statue lying on the ground that's full of maggots and has like red tendrils that wrap around the uh, reptile and absorb it into its system and then it turns into a ninja and fights Liu Kang and Lyra went is that how ninjas are made? (laughs) (laughs) Not entirely how ninjas are made. (laughs) (laughs) None of that makes any sense but if you look back at how you get to the secret characters in the Mortal Kombat games Mm. none of that makes any sense either. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta so I think that's fine. I mean, look, uh, until Lyra, uh, you'll get back to her on that. I'm going to go do some field testing and I'll give you my results. <laughs> <laughs> this uh, movie is also toasty free, which is a shame because uh, there, there needs to be like when when Scorpion goes up in an inferno uh, after Johnny cuts his head in half. <laughs> Uh, it's a pretty great spectacular death. It just, with the explosion and the um, autograph, it just needed an extra little toasty. Just to... They got Ed Boone to do Scorpion's voice. He's right they there. They got Dan Ford yeah, he was to right say there. toasty. <laughs> I mean, I imagine they probably, and maybe rightfully so, were like, that might be a little too much. One, but, two, you know, <laughs> I mean, that feature, no. you could just blend it into the soundscape. So it's like, uh, with the, like, as the things are exploding, like, it, you can just about hear in the sound mix toasty. Or have that in the Goro fight when Johnny punches him in the nuts. Because if you guys notice, like, whenever Goro shows up, there's these two, like, generic bad guy dudes who are just in the audience who are just like, yeah! So, like, yeah, they keep turning to each other, but, like, yeah! It's the best thing ever! <laughs> <laughs> and like when the nut punch happens, just like have all, but they all go, oh, just have one person go, toasty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was toasty. Something. I think that was what Paul W.S. Anderson was anticipating the audience would be like, that they would be that thrilled about Goro, which is, is fine. Like, it, he doesn't treat uh, us with contempt, but uh, it, it's like, it's definitely a film made for, like I say, boys who are between 15 and 15 and a half, which is kind of odd since the Mortal Kombat games, at least made up to the time, were hilarious and silly and not suitable for little children because of course that you got the spine ripping and and like all kinds of disgusting things going on but at the same time the the kids that it's really not suitable for are the perfect audience for it because they're the ones that would be most thrilled by it because of that illicit thrill of i shouldn't be watching this 
once you get to a certain point, you're like, I can see much worse gore in movies now, you know? Right, but I think that's exactly, you know, the developers at Midway and everything, they yeah. they knew who their primary demographic who's going to buy the game and play the game are people and kids in the anywhere from 10 to 15, 16 age range. Yeah. And again, I think it's why this movie is such a faithful, in the oddest sense, adaptation of like, it's over the top in some ways, mm. but not in the gore factor where the games are, but still equally over the top and goofy and doesn't take itself too too seriously yeah. to where the game still it still echoes that mentality of the games and just be like and now a person's gonna uppercut you and your entire body's gonna explode and you have 15 spines and eight skulls by the way yeah their ideal audience would be uh um not so much john connor from terminator 2 but budnick his friend that with ginger <laughs> yes that's the ideal I'll, I'll... mortal combat player from the, from your the foster era. parents are kind of dicks huh <laughs> I love the fact that you referred to Danny Cooksey as Bobby Butnick. (laughs) I know I'm poor too. Oh yeah. Lou, I hate this place. I do. I'm telling you, I hate it. I'm in a hostile environment. I am completely unprepared. I'm surrounded by people who probably want to kick my ass. It's like being back in high school. Am I right, target demographic? You there, eating the paste. Okay, so um, Shang Tsung cheats wildly, kidnaps uh, Sonya, and then uh, Liu Kang comes to fight him. And then there's these three trials where he must face uh, his enemy, face himself, and face his worst fear. And I feel like, again, philosophically and psychologically, the whole film falls down by even lampshading that this actually involves some kind of internal journey. Because it doesn't. Not really. The only thing that challenges him is when uh, his his brother turns up. Like, face your enemy is Shang Tsung's got a bunch of lackeys because he's been absorbing souls for ages. So fight all of these guys one at a time and the rest of them will run around in the background going, nah, 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 nah. Face yourself is just Shang Tsung pointing at him and going, you will die. And Liu goes, no one. And then runs up the stairs. <laughs> that, that's, the, that's a whole trial. trial. three seconds. No, he has to run up the stairs. Have you ever tried to run upstairs after kicking the shit out of like five guys? No. I don't want to. Exhausting. But uh, yeah, he's pretty limber and he's been fighting for days. Um, but like, uh, th- then he, uh, you know, has to face uh, his his brother, who says, like uh, all brothers do, "Hey, remember when our parents died?" Again, we hate movies. Pointed right, this that's out. how he starts oh the God. conversation. <laughs> yeah, and we've like, a, 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 you've just seen. A, I can't, I can't not say what we hate movies did. For. Yeah, uh, like it's Shang Tsung, like a comedian, going, "And uh, what if your brother was here?" I think he'd sound a little bit, and then turns around like this from. <laughs> <laughs> we hate movies show on this is is from 2014 absolute classic but yeah now the, the, the Shang Tsung thing it feels like it's introducing drama to Liu Kang pretty late in the day like you know it, it was the whole you know I wasn't there for my brother but he hasn't had in the middle of the movie a moment of I wasn't there for him they've kind of abandoned that so it's picking up a thread that was dropped ages ago mm. you know yeah yeah, the it's last really... real time they talk about it is, like, when they first get to the island. Yeah. Actually, Raiden says, this is much more important than your enemy, your ego, or your quest for revenge. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa go back to uh, Kano, because he's not your enemy. He's your quest for revenge. Two of these guys have got quests for revenge. Well, yes. also, Liu Kang's 
enemy and quest for revenge is something that he is going to have to pursue because that's the whole point. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody needs to defeat Shang Tsung. <laughs> and because he killed your uh, infant brother is a good reason. Mm, yeah. yeah. No, I was going to say the only... Infant. <laughs> <laughs> the line He's that so you young. get... Um, regarding Liu Kang's... He skateboarded to that fight. ...is right back <laughs> at the beginning when he says to Raiden... Uh, Raiden. Raiden, Raiden's sorry. from Metal Gear Solid yeah, 2. Yeah, that's the one. Um, when he you. says to Raiden, um, you, why didn't you protect him? And he says, why didn't you? That's it. That's your plot thread. That's your, your character motivation until the end. Considering the tech of the time, that we didn't get uh, a morph fight mm. is... Really, like, I mean, I, I find the whole sequence here disappointing, but, like, that wouldn't even have cost that much. Like, they could have done a Power Rangers glowy swipe on him and, and had him change into different characters. Like, it, it, like Reptile had zero dollars spent on him, and they still had nothing left to make Shang Tsung morph into people to fight. That oh. that disappointed me immensely. You're absolutely right. He could have turned into yeah. Scorpion and Sub-Zero and Sonya and jo- well, Johnny the just to throw him off. three or four dudes that he fights at the beginning in the first round. Yeah. Hey, yeah. remember yeah. Dreadlock yeah. guy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and now I am Art Lean. <laughs> the morphing technology actually didn't look bad. No, if it was good. if it was done with enough care yeah. and attention, yeah. And the what you were saying about the once he's dead, that's it. All the souls that he's absorbed uh, then get released. Mm. D- do we get to see any of that? Oh heavens, no! Not exactly. <laughs> uh, well, you do see like some of the dudes that Liu Kang just handed the ass to are kind of swimming in the light. They're doing backstroke. <laughs> They're going, oh, we're free now. <laughs> it's sweet. Thank you, I Liu Kang. There. I'm pretty sure I saw some arm swimmies on one of them. Mm. It is. I mean, you're, you're right. It is a bit disappointing. I think they make up for it from the fact that both of these fighters really go at it, and it's like a proper like slamming against each other. It's obviously it's nothing compared with something like say Ip Man, but it's got a energy to it at least. And oh, the fight between them was good. I'll, yeah. I'll grant you that. It's just disappointing they didn't take advantage of his key moveset. Mm. I mean, they also yeah, they, they, they bring back in further. the Mono Combat at the right time and that would liven up any fight mm. <laughs> it's a great shame they haven't got mm. all the like Sonya and Johnny and everybody lined up around the outside mm. going hey Lou I think that Shang Tsung trying to trick you again we movies pointed out they're just down on the ground doing fuck all which is what Johnny does throughout this movie after he gets rid of Goa Lou has to hear it from the crowd. Yeah. He's got to hear it from the crowd. That's the <laughs> They're the crowd. Got to hulk up. Yeah. Exactly. Or, or suppose that Shang Tsung turns into uh, Goro and it's like, Lou, go for the taint! <laughs> <laughs> it's his one weakness because Lou wasn't present for that fight, as far as I can tell. <laughs> He's only got two, I heard. He'll be fine. It's fine. Just like, So Lou just like... Bouncing him like uh, Muhammad Ali going like that. Or just. <laughs> so. So anyway, he, he flings Shang Tsung to his very not messy death. Like, he, he gets flung down onto a bunch of spikes. And it's like, if at any point in your totally PG 13 movie you could justify having a geyser of guts, it's now. When you're looking down into this pit. And you see the spikes that are arranged. Going up through the tinfoil. Yeah. <laughs> you see the spikes that are arranged. This is before he's fallen. And I thought, 
They've arranged these spikes very carefully so that there's a big gap around where the Mortal Kombat dragon is. That doesn't have yeah. any spikes over it. Yeah. So, well, yeah, the spikes if, have to be in the shape of the dragon. Well, I mean, exactly. they, gotta go, they must be in the shape of brand. But as a result, <laughs> when Shang Tsung falls in, instead of spike, instead of landing on like several spikes and having them all go well, through him, he lands points, on one. He lands on one, like and the rest of him is on the dragon. And then he enters mass too. It was a good shot. And then he turns into a wrinkly old mummy and uh, and dies and. Uh, they uh, they go back and there's like this little parade and all the kids are like, yay, Mortal Kombat! Did, Johnny, did you punch anyone's heads clean off their body? I heard you can do that. <laughs> no, I didn't. But you did the nut shot, right? Yes, yes, I did. <laughs> so when Shang Tsung dies... Yeah. Uh, and he, you know, turns into the... The thing that's left uh, in his arms in the Mortal Kombat 2 fatality where he sucks the soul out. He turns into that. Mm. I thought that was a nice touch. Yeah. Yeah. It's a husk. Uh, this, this, like, w- well, the circle of light opens up in a really cool shot. And I remember that scene from the trailer and being really confused. I'm like, what is that? Because mm. it was all over the trailers. I think it was because... Effect shot that doesn't look like ass. Put it in the trailer. It'll be great. <laughs> and this is an effect shot that will make parents like maybe take their kids to see this film. Mm, yeah. Okay. We've got to put. We've worked hard on this CG. Um, Lawrence Kazanoff actually referred to the woman who supervised the CG as the best special effects artist in the world. <laughs> Seriously, this man mm. has a gift for over exaggeration. Yes, absolutely oh. for for uh, hype and embellishment. And hyperbole. Yeah. yeah, and lying. <laughs> um, but she was a tremendous special effects artist. Just we just the best in the business. Yeah, believe me, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, the best special uh. effects. They were great. I'm not at all responsible for the effects of this movie. <laughs> but he clearly was like, perfect. he clearly was like, right, we've got to put some CG in the trailer. Somebody comb through this and find a really, really good shot. Cue some poor sod having to page through this whole thing. No, no, no. This no, looks like ass. No. More ass. <laughs> like, yeah, this one at the end is decent. Yeah, okay, we'll go with that. He's like, how many you got for me? Or what are my options? One. You have one. You have one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the, uh, it's got a, uh, again, We Hate Movies made this parallel. It's got a, you're never going to believe this ending. As the Emperor, having lost this uh, tenth in a row, uh, like smashes down this uh, uh, Thailand temple and goes, you weak, pathetic fools. I've come for your souls. Ow, that hurts. How does that do that? That was pretty good. Ow! <clears throat> but they they could actually they, they missed a trick there with Shang Tsung in, in that when Lu says give up, you're beaten, Shang Tsung could go, like, you have no idea what my boss is like. I can't come back to him and say I gave up on this. It's beat you or be obliterated. And then you'd feel like, oh, okay, so he's kind of middle management. Mm. Yeah. yeah, where's the you won the battle but the war has just begun line that he could have mm. thrown in there? 
but I mean, the, the original Mortal Kombat, I, I would like to make a play that this film is in fact a great adaptation because like Detective Pikachu, it's actually better than the video game it's based on. Now, obviously Pokemon is fan-bloody-tastic, but the Detective Pikachu game is just all right. And the ori- like, Mortal Kombat's had some really great games over the years. But by comparison, if you go back and play Mortal Kombat 1 and 2 nowadays, it's a little, it's creakier than this film. Let me say yeah! Just time to thank our $15 patrons who get sponsor credit every episode, so thank you too. Joel Robinson, Benjamin Biddle, Abel Savard, Michael Hasco, Connor Kennedy, Angus Lee, Matthew Webb. Brand new at this level on the Patreon, hello Matthew. Trey Contreras. Also new, hello Trey. Marty Huey, David Sheely, Kevin Vey, Daniel Salguero, Brian Novak, Evan Jankowski, Sarah Montgomery, Dan Hepner, Johan Clayson, Tyler Long, Joe Gasiga, Greg Downing, Tim Rosensky, Christopher Wolfe, Kat Esman, Cassandra Newman, Timothy Green, Matthew A. Cyrax, <laughs> Joseph Gluck, Nick Ord, Duran Barnett, Tom Painter, Finbar Nicole, Jameis Enright, Mark Luksh, Dan Mayer, Joe Crow, Chris Finnick, Toby Jungius, Dave Hickman, Aaron Lecluse, Kieran Dashler, Frankie Punzi, and Lorraine Chisholm. So, before we leave, where can listeners find the recent work that you are most proud of? And we will start with Chewy. Hi! I have uh, YouTube.com slash TheManaPool and Twitch.tv slash TheManaPool, where I do all of the video gaming things, including, uh, a couple years ago now, a playthrough of the entire story mode of Mortal Kombat 9. Oh, nice. Which is where the franchise was rebooted, but I play video games, and I have... A podcast about uh, Magic the Gathering, which, by the way, for those that don't know, Godzilla is now in Magic the Gathering. No kidding. I know. Nice. What? <laughs> I did not know that. I am very curious yep. now. Wow. Please sign me up to oh, your it's, newsletter. That's <laughs> amazing. Look at it. It's really cool. Uh, but that's where you can find me. I have a YouTube video that goes up every day that's either a podcast or gaming, and I stream most days. Dad. Uh, yeah, so I run a podcast called Leftover Army Monsters, giant podcast all out of tack. You can find that on uh, iTunes and SoundCloud. Every episode, we talk about either a TV series or a movie in the giant monster kaiju genre and, you know, go into various levels of depth upon it, movie and series permitting. And uh, in a little bit here, in a while, we'll probably be like two months after this episode comes out, but you'll be able to hear Alex and Sharon guessing on my podcast. And we talked about Shin Godzilla. Mike. Yeah, um, so when the world isn't falling apart, I run an indoor playground uh, in uh, Ontario, Canada. Um, That's not happening right now. So I've actually found time to draw again, which has been a lot of fun. So you actually, um, if you want to find what I've been working on, I'm kind of selling kids as superheroes to keep things moving while the uh, businesses are running just look up action play center the uh, canadian or british spelling as uh, alex would be familiar with there.com and you can find the facebook page and everything through there and i've, I've been drawing which has been nice because i don't get to do that very much running a business so if you want to give the gift of a loved one drawn as a superhero search for mike p hearn on twitter his handles in the credits of this episode 
and Maya. You can find me on Twitter at Maya Santandrea, on Instagram at The Stunt Lady. And I'm going to plug a couple of shows that I've plugged before, but I just kind of want to see them get a little bit more love. So Watchmen, which I was on quite a bit, is on its entirety on HBO. Unfortunately, they're not coming back for a second season, but I'm kind of like it's it's kind of unfortunate, but I'm also kind of OK with it because I think it, it works very well as its own standalone like mini series as a continuation of the original story. Uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I definitely think it's worth checking out if you have access to HBO. If you have the DC Universe app or HBO Max, you have access to Doom Patrol, which is another one of my favorites that I was able to appear on. Uh, They just wrapped up their second season and they had to kind of cut things short because of the whole COVID-19 pandemic thing going around but they should be coming back for their second season in a few months. So be on the lookout for that coming out pretty soon. Both this podcast recording and the episode on Mortal Kombat Annihilation ran long. So there is going to be a bonus episode for patrons with all the weird tangents we went off during those two. Uh, So we will be back with Mortal Kombat Annihilation sometime very soon. I've been Alex Shaw. I've been Sharon Shaw. And... School's out. Come back. <laughs> 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 Sorry. <laughs> 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 Couldn't resist.